It's witchcraft. Hi, and welcome to the solarium, the sun-drenched, herb-filled, magical space where we set our brooms down, Shell puts away her cursing finger, and we relax with sippable and smokable magical herbal blends. Today we're talking classic pagan books from before 1995. Who said I put my hexing finger away, first of all? Good point. That's a very good point. I should not have assumed that. But, you know, we do try to keep it peaceful here in the solarium. Hanging out today, I'm Layla. And I'm Shell, and the hexing finger has been put away. Oh, thank goodness. And today I'm relaxed. It's nice. And it's book reading season. I feel like Thanksgiving is the threshold for book reading season. Is that a thing or am I just a weirdo? It must be because the stack of books on my desk and next to my bed have gotten to dizzying heights. You know, actually, my stack of books is like surpassing almost my lamp. So (laughs) I I need to hunker down. But today we're going to talk about classics. And there's something to be said about classics. Now, speaking of classics, I see you are in your bathrobe. I have been wearing my bathrobe almost all day. It's that kind of day. And so I am sitting here with a classic tea blend of chamomile and mint. Now, I know the name of my tea, but I think it has like a blackberry and raspberry tint to it, amongst other things. We'll go with that for now. The fun part about this tea is that we got them at the same shop. You introduced me when I was out there visiting you in Salem, Massachusetts, to a shop called the Black Cat Curiosity Shop. Love them. Oh my goodness, did I fall in love hard. And the tea, oh, so, so good. I'd like to point out that we are not affiliated with these people. We just love the tea. (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is, is actually they're a new business. They are a curiosity shop. So I went in there one day on my lunch break from mundane work. You know why? Because I was curious. And I was (laughs) like, ooh, new store. And then I saw, it was like like the clouds parted, the sun rays shone down, ah, and they have like a tea wall. They do. The whole shop is really cool. When you think it curiosity is. shop, it's a curiosity shop. It really is. But like when I saw that they had like handcrafted tea, I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, here we are. These are all handcrafted, hand-blended Beautiful. When I look at this tea, it is literal whole chamomile flowers and crushed mint. It's pretty. It's very pretty. Not only does it taste good here, people, like it's pretty. pretty. And they're named after cats that belong to people in the shop. Like the one I have, has it's called Egyptian Cat, and it's named after the very first cat of the shop, Ramses. And it has a picture of of beautiful Ramses right on the label. Now, the tea I have currently, actually I have five of them. I ain't lying here, folks. But the one I am currently consuming is called Ocean Cat. And it is very fruity and lovely. But the cat on it looks like my kitty. It's an orange cat. Don't know the story behind the Ocean Cat. My bad. But this is good stuff. Yeah, Black it. Cat Curiosity Shop. Fantastic tea, really cool shop. Now, before we started recording, I had an interesting question for you because you had made a statement and I had misheard you or maybe you misspoke. I don't even remember. But I thought you were smoking your tea and you said, well, I could. So elaborate, my friend. I will indeed. So I, while I am not smoking this tea tonight, I realized that the herbs in here, it's just chamomile flowers and mint. 
And these are smokable grade herbs. You want to make sure that, you know, there's no pesticides, that it's organic, and that's all the same here. So this is something that I could put right in my grinder, grind up, and smoke along with my cannabis. I have smoked chamomile and mint before. I like it in the morning. It's kind of a nice pick-me-up in the morning. So yeah, I think I, I might smoke some of that tea, possibly during this episode, and I'll let you know how it tastes. No Right now, I'm smoking a little bit of cherries, which is a new uh, cultivar that we got today, uh, something I haven't had before. It's a hybrid, like most of them are. And this I'm mixing with a little bit of mullein, because I always put a little bit of that in there, skullcap, blue lotus, and damiana. So very pretty to look at. But I'm going for kind of a relaxing vibe. You know, sometimes you need to just chill and relax from a long day. And this uh, combination of tea and smokables will probably put me right into a very mellow, relaxing state of mind. So that's good. I found something that I have not found in Massachusetts up until now. And Ooh. you are going to be so jealous that I can't probably. even wait to tell you. What is it? What is it? What is it? Blueberry gelato. Boom. <gasps> oh, you know how I love a gelato. That's oh the my first goodness. thing I said. I'm like, I have to get this because Layla loves it. The terpenes. Oh my goodness. They usually taste so good. Does it taste good? Mm-hmm. All right. It really, it really does. It really does. And, you know, same thing going for that relaxing, mellow vibe. I don't know. You know, we just had a holiday here in America, Thanksgiving. It was just the full moon. It was just the full moon. And, you know, as much as it was lovely, it was crazy. Life has been crazy. And like mundane work has been crazy. And if you follow us on Instagram, I have been crazy. (laughs) My posting has been so erratic over the holiday. It's crazy. I'm sorry, folks. It's like chill and relax is the vibe that needed. That's right. Yeah. We're just hanging out. We're just chilling. We have these books and the two books that I read to review for this episode were Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler and The Spiral Dance by Starhawk. I haven't read them in a very long time and I was a little nervous to dive back into them, but they were fantastic and it was really nice to have time to just set aside and read for a while. You know, I was actually kind of, I don't want to say taken aback, but a little bit when you told me your choices because shit, it has to have been a good 25 years since I've read Drawing Down the Moon, like to the point where I feel like I forgot about the book until you mentioned it. (laughs) And that led me to something we'll talk about in a minute. Such great, great, great books that shouldn't be forgotten because they still to this day have great value and great information in them. Oh my gosh. Just the other day I was on Facebook And I saw someone recommend The Spiral Dance. And I think I saw it in a Reddit thread too, just last week. So people are still recommending these books. I read the 1979 version of both of them, but I do know that they have undergone a couple different updates. So what did you read? What have you got over there? Now, I picked two books that not only are are classics, but these are books that were kind of foundations for me first book I ever read, the first book that kind of was that aha moment for me, of course, Power of the Witch, Laurie Cabot. And then, as you know, I've spent many, many years doing the herb thing, you know, the incense and and, and all the herby things I've done. Scott Cunningham, he's a hot topic nowadays, but 
people are forgetting that encyclopedia of herbs and mm, let me tell such you such a classic if, if you have any interest in herbs on any level whether it be for tea or for smokables or for incense or for spell jars whatever the hell your purpose is he's got a recipe for everything it is like a bible it it, it is your herb bible Don't get me on my soapbox, but it is an herb Bible. And I think that with so much new content and the fact that this was published in 1985, I think that sometimes it gets forgotten when it is like the greatest treasure for any herb witch. Oh, it's fantastic. The the amount of recipes in there, magical correspondences, oils, incenses for every occasion. It really is, like you said, it, it, it's a it's a Bible. It's something to pull out even today. It's one of the first books in my library back in the day. And it's something right there with Rosemary Gladstar. If you are a, you know, if you're an herbal witch of any kind, that's certainly a book that you're going to want on your shelves for sure. Well, in my early days of being an herb witch, you know, I would kind of follow the recipes, get the gist of of what his concepts were with them. And that kind of evolved to me just using the correspondence part of the 4,000 different magical herbs that led me down the path to doing it myself, making my own recipes, doing my own herbal spells. Remember when I used to make everybody their own individual incense for Yule every year? Yes, or bath bombs. You guys loved that. It got to the point where you guys like waited for Yule because you wanted to see what incense I'd make for y'all. You would make individualized one for each person that like smelled like them or something. Well, hell yeah. (laughs) And you used to make us bath salts and bath fizzies before they were a thing. And I loved them. The scents were always unique and always delicious. But that was like my go-to. And like, I've talked almost all of our episodes about my treasured books of shadows going all the way back, you know, 30 years. Everything I have about herbs and their magical correspondences or the astrological correspondences or whatever the hell you want to talk about with herbs, every reference that has been documented in my books of shadows all lead back to Cunningham's encyclopedia. So I don't know. Like I said, I could get on a soapbox with this book all day. That If you have any interest in magical herbs on any level, you need to get it. It's on Amazon. Get it. It's worth it. I agree. Five brooms. Five brooms up. Five brooms up. (laughs) I have a lot of memories of us with that book, cracking it open and looking at a recipe and then completely redoing it and making it our own for whatever spell or ritual, you know, or whatever the need happened to be. But it was always there, always a centerpiece. So yeah, highly recommend. Very good book. I literally carried that book around with me. (laughs) The only way it would be better is if it had like a smokable appendix. (laughs) Right, right. But you know, at this stage of the game, we could easily use it for the for that purpose as well. Sure. Absolutely. But, you know, Lori Cabot, Power of the Witch, you know, the, the very first line of this book, this has been ingrained in me literally since I read it for the very first time in 1994. Certain things are everlasting and magic is one of them. What do you say to that? Well, she was the official witch of Salem for a reason. She still is, right? She still is. She's the official witch of Salem for a reason. Right, right. And that book and how she laid things out and related it to her personal experiences, she made you feel like 
you could do it too. You know what I mean? I don't want to call it a guidebook per se, but it was like kind of like a guidebook almost to lead you down a path that was just awesome. And she just, I don't know, maybe I just resonated with her writing style. I don't know. But like that book, that was it, man. That was like, that was it. I still, I still have my damn original copy from 90s. Um, I think the book was officially published for the first time in 1990. If I had lost the current copy I had, I would go out and buy it just to make sure I had it. I've read that book probably a hundred times and I guarantee you, I will read it a hundred more. And I have to say the spiral dance was probably the power of the witch for me because it, it has the same kind of thing. It tells you all about the different rituals and rites and seasons and, and the whole reason behind being a witch. But I do have to say that Lori Cabot's Celebrate the Earth that came out in 94, mm -hmm. that was one of the first books I bought that I didn't read in a library or borrow. This one is the Wheel of the Year. It's all about every holiday. And it mm -hmm. has a little bit of historical information. And it still pretty much holds up today. I still refer to it. I mean, I've been going back to this book for a very long time. And, and it is a little Wiccan based, you know, and it's a little outdated, but solid shit. I mean, good stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, I would still to this day, if a newbie witch came up to me and said, what is the first book I should read? You always say Power of the Witch. Power of the Witch. And that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm currently located in Salem either. I mean, <laughs> no, but even before I, you went there, I've had this book literally since I was 18 years old. And there's, there's something about the way that she presents it that just dug into my soul, you know, and she's fabulous, by the way, absolutely in a, in a pioneer for witches and pagans and Wiccans across the land. What she's done for our community, not just here in Massachusetts, but I mean, the, the wider pagan community is just can't be beat, man. No, she was one of the very first out there public witches that I ever heard about. I mean, I know nope. that, you know, like Starhawk that I'm going to talk about, she's been, you know, out and active for a longer time. But I guess maybe the the campiness of her being from Salem was what helped mainstream be interested enough to, you know, put that image around. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, she was more accessible, I think, in the early 90s. You know, in, in the... I don't know. When the hell did we work together at that horrible place? So mid nineties or maybe it was late nineties. Late nineties. When, when we worked together at a horrible place, having read power of the witch, you know, we were in some podunk upstate New York town, you know, which we love dearly. We're not, we're not bashing it. I'm bashing it. I, I'm kind of bashing <laughs> it. But um, the way that book made me feel gave me the confidence, I guess is the right word, to go to work every day and wear a pentacle and not give a fuck what anybody at work said, to tell people that I was pagan and not give a fuck what their opinion was. Like you and I were out and proud and we didn't care. Sure. And there was not a lot of that going on in upstate New York in the 90s, believe no. you me. And, and we pissed a lot of people off because we were out and proud. Power of the Witch, I don't know, maybe it's because she told her story about kind of not giving a fuck about being out here, and it made me realize 
I have a constitutional right to practice whatever religion I want. Leave me alone. And if you don't like it, kiss my ass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we almost lost a job. Both of us almost lost that job because we were weird. We didn't in the (laughs) end. But I think that you and I were kind of trailblazers of our own in our small little podunk town. And honestly, Lori Cabot did the same thing for me. When I first discovered witchcraft and decided to go out to Salem, Massachusetts in like 1991, that was the first time I ever saw other witches and they were everywhere. And Lori Cabot and her coven led a public ritual that I got to be part of and then had Lori Cabot's witches ball afterwards. And no one in Salem was quiet about being a witch. That must have blown your damn mind from being from New York. It did. No one hid their pentacle or their cloak or their witch hat. Everyone was proud of being a witch. And so I decided from then on that I would not hide being a witch. And I was thankfully privileged enough and lucky enough to not ever have that be an issue. But yeah, we were loud about it and we had to talk some people down about firing us. We stood our ground and we never were fake about who we were. I understand. Don't get me wrong. There are people that have to be in the broom closet and there's many good reasons that they have to be. And I respect that. Sadly, yeah. I didn't feel that I needed to be. Therefore, I didn't want to be. And I wasn't going to let anybody in my personal life or my work life tell me otherwise because well you know i'm just that gemini (laughs) exactly and if we can we should for the people who can't you know some of us have to be loud so that the people who can't be loud can you know so that we can make things safer for everyone and i know that at the time we kind of had different perspectives on it but i had really small kids you know how people get especially with religion you know and try to take my kids away. And Lori Cabot in that book, just, you know, they kind of gave me the, no one's taking your damn kids away because of your religion, which luckily, you know, my ex-husband was, was on board with, with me on that. So I didn't have that fight to deal with. I definitely took some risks that I know other people can't take. And Lori Cabot in her book gave me kind of the, the confidence to do that. And Before the 90s, when Lori Cabot was big, it was difficult to find some of these people. There was Phyllis Curat, there was Selena Fox, there was Starhawk, there was Margot Adler. The books I'm talking about are Drawing Down the Moon, which I absolutely love, still love. It was written in 1979, and Margot Adler is a journalist, and she's also a pagan, a witch. And so this book is really her attempt to kind of do a journalistic deep dive on witchcraft and paganism. And I think in that aspect, she very much succeeds. This book as a historical tome, as a foundational tome, this is one I would definitely recommend everyone. Spiral Dance, Drawing Down the Moon, you should definitely read to understand our history. I always felt like Drawing Down the Moon was like, like if you went in like 11th grade and grabbed your history book. And I'm not knocking it. I love it. I, I I love that book. But it definitely had a more textbook feel. Oh, it does. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's definitely something you should know going into it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I definitely want to touch on that because it's something I like more now. 
than I did the first time I read it. It does have a textbook feel. And some of the negative comments people will make about it is it feels too much like a textbook. This one doesn't have spells in it. It doesn't have rituals in it per se, although there are people that will talk about it. It's very well written, very engaging, but it has a lot of history. And who the fuck knew that in 1979, there were this many witches and pagans and groups all over the country. She talks about all of them. She talks about Alexandrian Wicca. She talks about Gardnerian. She talks about hanging out with some of these people. And, and it's pretty amazing. Do you remember the Church of All Worlds? I do, as a matter of fact. Water Holy shared crap. is life shared. Yeah. May you never thirst. That's from so long ago. Right? She talks about the Church of All Worlds in here. And that's a religion that was actually came out of um, Stranger in a Strange Land, the book right? Stranger in a Strange Land, which I had read and loved and had no idea that there was a religion founded, kind of a, a pagan religion that used a lot of those ideas. You know, Shell and I at one time had a seasonal campsite out at a pagan place where we rubbed shoulders with some pretty interesting people. And some of them followed this. Yep. There was an entire group called the Church of All Worlds, C-A-W, that were there all the time. And I can remember being in the hot tub naked with a bunch of people and someone would cup fresh water in their hands and share it with the person next to them and say, water shared is life shared. May you never thirst. Yep. And they would go around the whole hot tub. And so I, I would do it too, because I'm not going to be the one that doesn't do it. But yeah, that was kind of cool. Now, be honest here with folks, not to give away any secrets, but we actually adopted that in our old coven, if you remember correctly. I do remember. Not that we did it all the time, but no, there, no. There, there were occasions where we plugged that into certain certain rituals. It's a fantastic saying. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. And the hook is fabulous. Anyway, so she talked, this is a good guide back in the day. This is basically what um, Magigora Magica is now. And um, you talk about it. You love it. Witch Vox. This is like what Witch Vox, before the computer, this was your guide. There's how to get in touch with these groups and, and all sorts of information like that. A lot of resources, obviously out of date, but it has been updated. It was, I was updated. Say, when, didn't you say it was updated? And do you know the last time it was by chance? Yes. And yes, uh, it was updated the first time in 1986, 1996, and then recently in 2006. 2006 was not as recent as we'd like it to be, by the I way. Know, <laughs> I know, I know. But Adler did comment, um, both of these authors actually, when they did their updates, did comment about how things have changed. I mean, they're very female-centric, spiral dance more than drawing down the moon. I mean, they're very empowering for me. I am a white, heterosexual, middle-class female. And so for me, these were like super empowering because women were not part of religion. You know, sexuality was not a thing to be enjoyed or revered. And so these were revelatory to me and I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. But times and thoughts have changed a little bit. And so they have been updated to be more inclusive and be more aligned with with modern thinking. And the authors both were really good about acknowledging where they had gone wrong or what they could have done better. So I, I think that's really cool. Talk to me and the people a little bit more about the spiral dance specifically. Ah, the spiral dance. All right. Looking classic, by the way. If you want a historical tome that tells you about witchcraft and magic, but also gives you exercises and rituals and spells, then the spiral dance is for you. I love a good book that's like half 
reading and half workbook type stuff. Engage <laughs> yes. me. That's what I love about these books. Engage me. So whereas Drawing Down the Moon is very much a historical tome and still fabulous, has a lot of theory and ideas and just really good magic in it, The Spiral Dance is a little easier to read and has a lot more meat to it, I guess, of things to do, if that's what you're interested in. A lot of triads. Very much a lot of triads. Yes. I know that we're not talking about it today, obviously, but I, I compare Spiral Dance and... um you know, kind of a little bit the uh, Power of the Witch, kind of like Buckland's blue, big blue book. Because with Buckland's book, you're you're doing half information and then half like, I don't want to call them exercises. That's like the wrong word. Yeah. But like, like try it, you know, that was what got me liking Spiral Dance way back in the day was that you read a little bit and then why don't you give this a go, read a little bit more and try this I kind of like that. Give me a hands-on portion as I go. Yes. Oh, yeah. And and while it is kind of academic, it's very hands-on. And okay, side note, I am a little high. But uh, so side note, so Starhawk had trouble publishing this book. Nobody Why? wanted to touch it. Well, it was 1979. It was 1979. And so when she did actually get it published to celebrate, she and her friends staged a public celebration on Samhain and they did a whole spiral dance. Ooh, I was kind of cool, right? I would have done it with them. And the cool part about that is that whole group that did that became the beginnings of the Reclaiming Collective, which is the, um, you know, the ecological group and Starhawk is part of. And they do um, a spiral dance ritual now every year, which is very cool. And that got me thinking, one of the last times that I led a ritual in community You made us do a spiral dance. Most of the time in community when we would do a spiral dance, how would it end? In chaos, because people like me have two left feet and be tripping over my damn self. Exactly. So when we decided that we were going to do a spiral dance as part of the ritual, I knew I had to freaking do it perfectly. So doing it for a small group like our coven was easy. Yeah, do it for 100 people. That's real easy. Not. Do it for 100, 150 people very much not easy. So our community would always spiral in pretty well and have a lot of fun, but spiraling out was the hard part. It's like herding cats, man. Herding cats. It really is. So I was super, super proud. I spiraled everyone in and spiraled everyone right back out. And it felt really awesome. It was great. I was so proud of myself that it had not fallen into chaos. Eh, You are the dungeon master. What can I say? Yeah. Pied Piper, Layla, getting everyone going around in a spiral. Hey, Layla, guess what? Guess what? What? I got a secret. What's your secret, Shell? Now you can't tell anybody. Okay, I'll keep my lips shut. Everybody who's out there listening, come in close, be quiet, don't tell anybody. But we have an event coming up. Tell them about it, Layla. Tell them. <laughs> tell them. Well, Shell and I are very excited to announce that we have been accepted as presenters to next year's Sacred Space Conference happening in Townsend, Maryland. And damn, I am super excited about this. I am loving all the other presenters. I'm loving the workshops. I cannot wait to go. You know, I just want to point out here that I feel like this is a full circle moment. Way back about 25 years ago, one of the first places we ever presented at was at a pagan conference down in the Washington, D.C. area called Meet Me and Blessed Be in D.C. Swap that. Blessed Be and Meet Me in D.C. 
yeah, that. <laughs> and because we're basically going down to the same area, I, I, I feel so full circle moment. I love it. Laura Tempest Zakroff is one of the presenters. I mean, Jason Mankey. There are so many. The list is is phenomenal. And you can find out the list of all the presenters. Including us. Including us. All the information at sacredspacefoundation.org. And this will be at the end of March in 2024. And oh my God, Layla. I'm really looking forward to the festival season next year. Both the ones that we'll be presenting at, the ones that we'll be attending. I know we haven't gotten into a lot of festivals in this in this particular episode, but I will link a couple in the show notes and we will for sure talk about more coming up. So registration is currently open for the Sacred Space Conference, and I will put a link in the show notes. But if that's something that you want to go to, this is an indoor conference. I do highly recommend them, whether it's indoor or camping conference, just the variety of workshops that you get to go to, the hands-on rituals and meditations. Unforgettable experiences. That's the only thing I can say. Check your local area for events and workshops and things like that. And, And like I said, we will talk about and review a few more in the solarium, just so you can know what to look for. Or if you have gone to events and in festivals and want to point them out to us, shoot us an email. I'm always up for learning about new events and new festivals going on that I can potentially put on my calendar. If you're hosting an event or a festival, whether virtual or in person, let us know about it. We'll check it out. Reach out. Back on the broomstick at gmail.com. But anyway. I just want to touch a little bit about the importance of some of these classics. I love a lot of these new books coming out and and we've talked about a few and we will talk about a few more, but I love some of these classics. And I I definitely think that if you are looking to immerse yourself in information on paganism and witchcraft or Wicca, don't negate some of these older books because they're gold mines of knowledge, gold mines Be a little careful because in the spiral dance, in the very beginning, while she's talking about the history and the mythos of goddess religions, she does have some not so great facts. I'm just saying every book you read, no matter who it's from, and I'm not down on anybody, every single thing, take with a grain of salt, first of all. Yes. And and, and that's the case with any of these books as well. But that should be the case with any information, you know. But I am saying that even though these books, especially the early editions, do have their issues, they're phenomenal. They have so much information, so much solid, good information that really formed the foundation and the basis for what witchcraft is today. They still hold up. Now, Technolayla is going to make sure that there's there's links in the show notes, but I absolutely wholeheartedly recommend each of these four books. You know, like I said, Lori Cabot, Power of the Witch, uh, Scott Cunningham, Encyclopedia of Herbs, Margot Adler, Drawing Down the Moon, Starhawk, Spiral Dance. These need to be in your collection. That is just my opinion, but I guarantee you there's a whole bunch of people who would agree with me. And if you want to send us something to review in the solarium, whether it's tea or smokables, books, incense, whatever, we do have a P.O. box. Check out the show notes. Send us anything that you'd like us to review on the show. And don't forget, email us. Give us some comments. If you have any ideas of what you'd like us to talk about in the solarium, shoot us an email. Back on the broomstick at gmail.com. Like us, share us, star us, 
send us cute little notes. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Back on the broomstick. Check us out. Keep it witchy.